Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, or should I call it All or Nothing Manchester United uh, today, uh, a show all about bottom of the Premier League Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. Uh, Rob, what the hell's going on, mate? <laughs> well, you talk about whatever Glazonomics means. I think we're kind of seeing partly what it really does mean. So here we are on the cusp of Manchester United making one of their biggest signings of all time, a defensive midfielder who we're going to talk about in depth today. But uh, yeah, Man United now in that position of less than two weeks of transfer window to go and they want to buy everything that moves. Um, I think as uh, one commentator put it, it's like, you know, trading in your Vauxhall Cortina and going and trying to buy a Ferrari rather than just a normal car. That's Man United in a nutshell. But, yeah, it's been a mad 24 hours, Scott, and we're going to go for it all today. It's been a mad week, even. Oh, mad, mad three days since our last show because yeah. we've had everything happen. We've had uh, word of the Glazers looking to sell part of Man United or mm-hmm. all of, depending on what you read. Uh, I think all of is ambitious, at best, uh, yeah. Although you know, we'll, we'll see how it progresses. Interest from Jim Ratcliffe, uh, apparently, in buying Man United if they are on sale. He said uh, a few months ago that United were not for sale, uh, and he is a United fan. We'll talk about that later in the show. Uh, obviously, the Liverpool game is on Monday, uh, Monday night. I was expecting, well, still, I'm expecting a humbling of. Recent proportions. Uh, Liverpool put nine past United in two league games last season. And as it stands, they won't have a defensive midfielder for that game either because Casemiro is not going to sign in time to play in that game. We'll talk about the Liverpool game. We'll talk about the protests planned ahead of that. Uh, We'll talk about everything around United, but we'll start the show with transfer overdrive. This is, uh, they must have been linked with about 50 players in three days. Something like that. But yeah. a few times... Rob, we, we spoke on a previous show about, oh, at least we know, like, you know, I know there's a lot of noise around United, but to be honest, we do know exactly who they're trying to sign. Frankie de Jong, Anthony, etc., etc., Lisandro Martinez. They All right, they tried for Timber, but he signed a new contract now. But at least they, they've got a plan. Two games into the season, six goals conceded to Brighton and Brentford, bottom of the Premier League. Now they're going mental uh, and they are on the verge of signing Casemiro from Real Madrid in a deal worth 
around 50 million pounds plus 10 million in add-ons uh you know that's around 67 60 to 70 million euros uh in translation or in different currency rob my brain is melting what's going on what are they doing there's a new anthony bid that's gone in over the last few days ajax wants 78 million pounds a club record sale more than they sold frankie de jong for i think united aren't done there yet too he's not worth that money uh cody gakpo's an alternative if they don't want to go back in for him but we won't see uh, that happen until psv's champions league fate is confirmed Next Wednesday, they play Rangers. It's 2-2 on aggregate at the moment. They have the home leg ahead of Thursday's Champions League draw, which Man United are not in. United also want five players before the end of the window, and we have about two weeks left. They signed three so far in about 15, 16 weeks. Loads to get into, Rob, today. Um, I'll just do the plugs first. (laughs) Subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And watch us on YouTube twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, head over to the channel, hit the like button, subscribe, and join the community. Leave a comment as well on the crazy Man United behavior that's happening at the moment. The link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio podcast platform. And follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU. Rob and I have both tweeted something slightly negative towards the Casemiro deal in the last 24 hours. Although we both acknowledge he is a very good player. Uh, we were let's let's just preface this section with that, Rob. Very, very good footballer, very decorated footballer, is a defensive midfielder. United have needed one for years. But there's so many red flags, Rob, with this one. Have we not seen this one before? It's like a bad movie that you've watched 300 times. So, Casemiro, as you said, yeah, let's use the disclaimer at the top of the show. Casemiro is better than anything Man United have got. Yeah, he's one of the top defensive midfielders of the past decade. He's run five Champions Leagues. He's a Brazilian international. He's busy mates with Fred. All loads of upsides. What's the downsides then? Well, you just said there how much the deal is worth. But the true worth of this deal is around £130 million, including his wages. And this is going to make him the second most expensive player in his 30s in the history of football. Is Casemiro at the level of that of, say, Cristiano Ronaldo, who got bought by Juventus from Real Madrid when he was still scoring 50 goals a season and was still absolutely at his highest level, an elite level? Does Casemiro help Man United get in the top four just with this signing, with United committing 130 million? 130 million! For Casemiro, a player that was worth thirty-five million on the open market last week, I get that Man United fans are going to be torn by this, Scott, and this is kind of what we're going to talk about today. Because United fans are desperate in the same way that the Glazers are desperate, in the same way now that John Murto is absolutely desperate to try and get these players in for Eric Ten Hag. But one hundred thirty million for Casemiro. What is what is that all about? If you've got a calculator and you're putting those numbers in there, it is going to start melting. It's not real. So this is what I find completely bizarre is that, yeah, glad you got Casemiro as a fan. Really never care about transfer fees, don't care about wages, never really interested in those things. But anyone running a business, 
would you really do that? Would you really hurt yourself for the next four years if, say, Casemiro is a bust? Because that's what it would do. It means that you can't buy your future talent because you're tied into bad contracts. It's a bad movie, Scott. We've seen it before. It's the same errors that Man United have made for 10 years. Edward Wood has gone, but the ghost of Edward Wood is still running the football club. Can you can you change your hat and some? we'll do a, a small section positive hat is there anything positive in it yes the, the, look, it's, look, there is a positive like, okay let's yeah. let's do it blue sky let's do blue sky yeah eric ten Hag is a fantastic coach yeah a brilliant coach and he needs players so this is the, the start of that is that you're facilitating a way to get new players even though you're doing it all the wrong way you're spending too much money you're not doing it like a normal football club here are new players for eric ten Hag. this is what you did for louis van gaal you did the same thing for louis van gaal you did it for jose Mourinho. You even did it for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. You did it in this haphazard way of we need something, let's just go get things. Now, that's as positive as it gets because, yes, Eric Ten Hag might now create a really good team and we might be saying at the end of the season, that actually went really well and United got away with it. But you know what this is, Scott? And this is the downside. Man United are a person at a roulette table, spinning the wheel, spinning the wheel, spinning the wheel, and they've just got that tiny chance there of winning. And they keep doing it and they keep throwing the money away, the money away when we're in a complete global marketplace of a nightmare with with finances and you need to look after the cash and just develop players and bring in new players who don't cost you 72 million bad wages. But (laughs) Casemiro might be brilliant because he is a really good player. So I'm not saying that he's going to come to Man United being bust, but I just don't want United gambling on 31-year-olds at this level. We've said it. Week after week after week, these contracts hurt your football club because it means that in a year or two's time, you're never getting rid of Casemiro, whether he's good or bad. Like, if you want to move him on, it's not happening. No one's going to take 350 grand for a player like Casemiro at 32, 33, 34. I'm not saying that every old player is bad as well. Like, this is the other side of it. Like, he might be great. But come on, Scott, do you do this deal? (laughs) Do you do this deal, being honest? No, I think it's uh, in an ideal world. United would sign someone 24, 25 years old mm-hmm. for a similar price in an ideal world. Uh, I, I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to look at it through a positive lens because United's mentality is so weak at the moment that bringing in a bona fide winner like Casemiro, who does fill a position that they've had a problem with for years and years and years. Uh, to protect the defence, theoretically should work. But I mean, they still need another midfielder for me. And, you know, Casemiro is 30. He's no doubt. Why would he join Man United when they're in the Europa League and bottom of the Premier League if it wasn't about money? I'm not going to say that he's moving purely for the money because maybe he does want a new challenge. But we have seen Man United sign players and sign players from Real Madrid in the past for lots of money, and then it hasn't worked out. Now, as I say, Casemiro, very, very good player. Uh, will bring something to United that they haven't had before. But like we say, United needed two midfielders before this transfer window opened anyway. Mm. And now what is this it? Uh, I don't think a midfield three of Casemiro, Fred and Christian Eriksen slash Bruno Fernandes is perfect and complete. Casemiro has been playing with Modric and Kroos who have 
the ability to retain possession, beat players, pick passes for days. It, you know, I don't have that. They, they don't. No. Bruno Fernandes tries Hollywood passes. Christian <clears throat> Eriksen doesn't really have the legs. Creative player can pick a cross. Fred probably utilised best higher up the pitch pressing. Maybe this is... But what does this say as well about Eric Ten Hag's approach? Because he's been trying to sign Frankie de Jong all summer. The optimist in me says he's seen the first two games and has thought, wow, I can't have a ball-playing midfielder at six with no defensive nous because we will get battered every week like we have in the first two matches. Maybe he's looked at it and thought, okay, I can't do that. But at the same time, he's thrown a plan out the window that he's had for 15 weeks. And this deal has turned around in two, three days. Uh, there's positives, but there's a lot of red flags for me. There's a ton of red flags. And, and I think the thing is here is for me, the way I interpret this is that Man United have said, we're sticking the house on Frankie de Jong 15, 16 weeks into those negotiations. And we've kind of found out yesterday that there has been no negotiations for quite a while now. It's just been... We're talking several weeks of nothing new really behind the scenes. But this is Man United doing the big PR spiel of, well, we're ambitious. So we didn't get Frankie, but look how quickly we went and got Casemiro. That's what this is. It's a game. So, like, this is why I have a problem with it. I have no problem with the player. And I actually got no problem with Eric Ten Hag because as much as he's pulling the strings, he is not the guy jumping on private jets, going and recruiting and doing that and talking to... Uh, Laporta at Barcelona and now talking to Florentino Perez. He's not doing those things. He's a coach. But what he probably is doing is he's probably sat on the toilet a lot, Scott, going, got a bit of a tummy ache now at this Man United Football Club. I need to make things work because this might not last very long unless I get new players. And I think that's kind of what we've said, isn't it, in the last few weeks? Two games into the season and a pre-season behind him. I mean, Eric Ten Hag's gone back to Man United and said, get me some players now. If you don't get me players, this this project does not work. So I don't blame him. He'll try and make it work with Casemiro. I think Casemiro is an excellent defensive midfielder. Doesn't really gel. I don't think everything that we've got at the football club, I think you still need one or two extra midfielders to help him. But... He's aging. He is. He's just, this is the truth. He's 31. You know, is, was his peak 26, 27? We don't know, do we? Like, he could come to Man United. I do think there was one thing, and just saying about looking at it from a positive light, I don't want to talk too much about the number six, because I think that is a variable. I think people can decide what a defensive midfielder should do in the modern day and what they shouldn't do. But I do think that Casemiro might bring leadership. Yeah, mm-hmm. he might bring leadership to the team in what I described as a forest of fake leaders, because that's what Man United are. The issue I have with the whole he's a winner thing is that Ibrahimovic was a winner. Pogba was a winner. Yeah. Pogba was like, you know, he's a World Cup winner. Do you know what I mean? Didn't work. Bastian Schweinsteiger won World Cups, didn't work. You know, it's because you're buying talent that are on the wrong side. You're going through that that mill again. Radamel Falcao. He was great once upon a time. You know, you're doing it over and over again, aren't you? And then you're getting to a point, like you said at the start there, you know, in a way, ideal world, Man United by 24-year-olds. No, that's just the normal world, not the ideal world. That's what normal football clubs do. They don't they don't go out in the marketplace, Scott, and go, oh, there's no 24-year-olds available. Let's start looking at the 31-year-olds. They don't do that. What Man United are doing is they're saving face. They're in the middle of a huge yeah. crisis with the ownership. 
and a huge crisis on the football pitch. And all of their all of their kind of uh, agendas are being questioned, aren't they? So what do they go and do? They go knock on Real Madrid's door and say, can we have that play that you don't want and we'll pay 130 million as a total package for it? That is bad business. I hope Cam- I hope like Casemiro is a raging success at Man United because then we will all be smiling. We'll all feel really good about that. But we just cannot... have previous. We have history to go, to go by, right? This, we, this we, is. It's like it is just. It's this. It just it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. You thought this year, Scott, it would stop. We all thought that this year they would do it slowly, but they would get their targets because they were going to do it a different way. And that's why I said the ghost of Ed Woodward is running a football club because that's what it is. This is no different. This is exactly the same. And if anything, it is worse because Man United have never spent 130 million on a defensive midfielder. Name me one club, Scott, in world football who have got all the money in the world who would have committed 130 million to Casemiro. Name me one. They don't exist. It's not real. <laughs> no, it's no, no one. You know, when Man City lost Fernandinho, they were looking for a kind of defensive entity. And they didn't go, do you know what? We'll spend 130 million on Cam- uh, on not Camavinga, sorry, on Casemiro because he's won five Champions League. They went, we'll go get that English lad from Leeds because he will still cost us money, but we can develop him. And if he sits on the bench, it's not a problem. And we can kind of bring him in slowly and make it work. That's what normal football clubs do. They also have like- Rodri who was signed at, what, tw- got mid-20s, 23, 24, probably. I don't know yeah. how old he is now. Maybe younger than that. And now he's developed into one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. But it's completely faux to say that clubs don't do it in a certain way. 24-year-olds are everywhere. Go and find them. Have a scouting department. Is there any 24-year-olds in Uruguay or Argentina? I bet there is. You know, find what you need. So I think this is the problem is that Man United have backed themselves into a corner once again in the transfer market. Now they're going to have to overpay once again in the transfer market. And they're going to have to gamble on a player that might be turning up for the money rather than the glory. So if that happens, we'll be doing this show again in a year or two or three saying exactly the same stuff. So this is the bit of the deal that really kind of perturbs me. And I kind of think, oh, really good player, Casemiro. Is he exactly what you need? He's certainly not a De Jong replacement. But yeah, United fans for years have been crying out for a defensive midfielder because they are convinced that the minute you get a defensive midfielder, Scott, everything goes rosy. You get your defensive midfielder and it's sorted. And I really don't believe that. I've looked at the metrics. I've watched the games. I've been there. A defensive midfielder will help you, but only if you've got a complete team. That's when you need your defensive midfielder. So you might be building it backwards. It might work. We hope it works. Fingers crossed. But it's an incredible sum of money for a player that may be worth a quarter of what you're going to pay out. Let me frame it this way, Rob. Last week, it was Arnautovic and Rabio. <laughs> he, 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 he is like, he is a thousand million times better than Rabio. Like, I've said this as well. Rabio is exactly the wrong kind of player that you wanted that you were going to have to pay to get to come to your club, even though Juventus were trying to give him away for free. Now, I'm not, I'm not comparing Rabiot and Casemiro. Casemiro is a much, much better player in all sorts of parts of the park in that midfield. I think you can build with Casemiro. I don't think you could have built Rabiot. I think Rabiot would have just been bench fodder after six weeks. Casemiro can come in. He, it might turn in that he becomes just the complete leader of Manchester United. He might come in and be the next Roy Keane, where he's the guy who's going to slice through people. I've seen videos already, people 
sharing them of him smashing James Milner because James Milner stepped on uh, on Benzema's ankle and then Casemiro comes in and turns him into Rose Ed. Well, that's all very nice, isn't it? But does that get you top four? Because that's all I care about is the football. I want to win football matches. So I think we'll like Casemiro. I don't, you know, I don't think that we will be going, oh, you know, he's awful, isn't he? But there is a chance we will be. There's a chance that in a year or two time, we're going, how do you get out of that contract? Because that contract runs for another two and a half years. And now you can't afford new footballers. So how do you make that work? It's, you know, and it might, the, he, Casemiro might still be here when the Glazers are gone. Yeah. So the Glazers might have already sold the club by then, by the time his contract runs out. And it becomes a problem. I just think that there's a lot of worry. There's so many red flags around this deal and so many red flags about all the deals that Man United have now approached in the last week. They're all got, weird aspects to them where you kind of go why are you considering that don't consider it just put it away but of course the manager wants players so United are trying to fulfill that ambition do you remember when when um Van Gaal bought those players he bought like five or six players and you could see you're all like well they're all good players but do they help you improve the team really and the truth was after two years that experiment was like no they don't and the manager lost his job because of it I don't want that to be Ten Hag's fate I don't want him to be judged on John Murto's ability to get transfers over the line. I don't want that to be the way it works. This is an overly like negative reaction to this. And we should probably balance it out with, again, reiterate the fact that Rob and I really like Casemiro. As a Love him. Brilliant it's footballer. The, the only <laughs> issue is we've seen United's historical evidence of transfers like these of players of this type of profile his injury record touch wood has been very good for a long time hopefully he will maintain that the Premier League is massively different uh, but I'm just a little bit there are red flags and that's the only thing we're, we're more bothered by the, the how United have approached this and the transfer itself maybe Okay, look, look. So you got how Cas- I would put it. Okay, but- so, so you got Casemiro for 40 million, right? You got him for 40 million or 35 million, and he's coming to Man United for 200 grand a week. Brilliant. That's business. That's how you do it. The money they're putting on the table is eye-watering for a player of this ability and this talent. So that's the problem, Scott, is that I like him and you like him, and we're not we're not debating his his ability as a footballer, are we? What we're debating is, does the deal fit what you need, the profile? I don't think it is. Like, I know you, everyone wants a defensive midfielder, but come on. You're telling me that's the only defensive midfielder in the world that you can get? So, yeah, he's the best. I'll be like, oh, but he's the best of what he does. But Real Madrid are getting rid of him for a reason. Does that Real reason... Madrid, Real Madrid have a midfield of... I remember I saw a picture um, comparison of United's mm. six midfield options versus Real Madrid's. It was Casemiro, Modric, Kroos, Valverde, amazing player, Camavinga, Chuamani. They've yeah. got their three for the next 10 years yeah. in Valverde, Cas- uh, Valverde, Chuamani, and Camavinga. Yeah. They do have that and they can phase out Modric. I know he's just re-signed a new deal. He signed for a new deal. Tony Kroos is a little bit younger, but has a few years left as well. That's, yeah. a, that's a slow transition. United, I tweeted this yesterday, Real Madrid must be laughing at this money that they're making back because United have covered their Camavinga fee. Crazy, yeah. yeah, yeah with yeah. this. 60, 60 million euros, 70 million euros, plus huge wages. And I did say for a play, in, in a tweet, for a player probably passes peak. I think that I got a lot of stick for that. Probably worded it wrong. He's probably still at his peak. But is he going to get better? No. 
The only no. way his career is going is stagnant slash down. Mm-hmm. That that's the only way that's that it's going. He's not gonna unless he turns into Fernandinho and at 36, 37, he's still regarded as one of the best defensive midfielders in the world. But the See? one different the one difference between all that and this is what we're just saying there, is that Fernandinho has the protection of world class talent around him. Yeah, and Casemiro, when he's been winning Champions Leagues at Real Madrid, has the protection of world-class talent around him. Casemiro is coming into Man United at the moment in its most dysfunctional state it's ever been in, in a midfield that is brittle and poisoned. So, yeah, he might come in and help fix those things, but I get the feeling he might not look as good as he has done in the Real Madrid midfield. And there is a reason why Ancelotti and and, uh, Florentino Perez have gone the other route of taking a Camavinga, a player that Man United could have signed. Man United inquired about Camavinga. They got the price and they were like, we want the player. Camavinga's agent spoke to Man United. They could have done the deal. And they went, no, he doesn't move the needle for us now, so we're not buying him. And went to Real Madrid 10 minutes later. So this is the problem is that when we say to Man United to go and buy players, we want them to buy players. But you've got to look one eye ahead into the future, especially if you're dysfunctional now, which we know they are. So this is the problem, is that even from taking your Man United fan head off and putting on a journalist head or just a football head, anyone from outside the club will be looking at this and going, what? And that's the problem, isn't it? Is that this is not a deal where other football clubs are looking at Man United going, wow. That's amazing. You went and got this player that Real Madrid don't want anymore. <laughs> and you paid 130 million as a total package for him. There's no one saying that. Man United fans are happy because Man United fans will take anything at the moment. They're desperate. But I think we have to be less desperate, Scott. I think we have to have higher standards and say, yeah, he's a good player. But as you just said there, is he at his peak now? Probably. Will he be at his peak in a year or two? Almost definitely not. We've seen the greatest of all time. And Cristiano Ronaldo go from being super elite to still pretty good, but not helping you win football matches. Yeah. And that's what happens to older players. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to be an automatic bust. I really don't. But I do think if you're building a football club and your central midfield hopes this year are going to be uh, Casemiro with Christian Eriksen and Bruno Fernandes. And Bruno Fernandes can't find his car keys in the morning because he can't keep hold of it uh, for longer than 10 minutes. You've got a problem. You've got to go and buy players that can pass the ball. The good thing is, I think Casemiro is a decent ball progressor from six. He really is. When you look at his stats, I was looking at yesterday, and he's better than maybe people think. But that's also because he's passing the ball to Tony Cruz and to Luka Modric, not Fred, not Scott McTominay. So this is, I think, the quandary that you're in. You're spending a lot of money for a player that ultimately might not push the needle for you to get top four. I will change my tune. This isn't going to happen now, I don't think, because it's <laughs> massively improbable that this does happen. But, you know, the deal's been on the table all summer. If you have a, a midfield of Casemiro plus De Jong plus Ericsson or Fred. Got it. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Home run. But they won't do it. No, because no, because I think the problem is with De Jong is that, again, if De Jong has watched Man United the last two games and he's still stalling and looking at options and he's got Chelsea and United as his two options, where are you going? Like, I'm a Man United fan and I would not sign for Man United in this moment of time. If I'm a footballer, yeah, and I'm out on the open market, I'm signing for a team that, that can give me the stuff that I want as a professional. You know, Man United are not offering that to teams. All they're offering to players is big wages. 
And that's what they can offer, but they can't offer true aspiration at the moment, can they? So this is where I think Ten Hag needs to be a magician because Ten Hag now needs to take the bits that Man United give him, whether they're high-wage players, low-wage players, 31-year-olds, 18-year-olds, whatever, and he needs to make it work. This is his job now. Yeah, this is all on him. And United are going to say that. Joel Glazer, who knows nothing about football, who would have authorised this deal for, uh, for, for Casemiro, he will say in a year's time, if Man United have failed, he'll go and knock on that manager's door in his virtual Zoom office and he'll say, well, you failed, I'm sacking you. It's your fault. We gave you the money. It's your fault. And that is the problem, is that you need to kind of build fail-safes in for this new manager to help him. But that's not what the Glazers do. And that's not really what Richard Arnold's doing. That's the bit I'm a bit more disappointed about, Scott, because I wanted to see this change that they talked about. And what's happened? It's the same old thing. Let's move on, shall we? Because uh, it's such a happy looks, world, Manchester United, isn't it? <laughs> it looks as though... Sorry, guys. I, I know you come to this podcast usually for some balanced not negative, not overly positive, moderate, calm chat. But Rob and I are just a little bit... I think we're being moderate. I think we're being... I think this is... I think saying 130 million for Casemiro is a strange deal is a moderate opinion. That ain't wild. That's not wild. That really isn't. I think we're still being moderate. We're saying, well, hang on. Could you not bought four players for 130 million? You're buying one. But you need four or five or six. I think they're moderates, man. I know we're not. I know we're not offering the blue sky. This is the thing. I think the other side of it. It's like at the start of the season we were kind of going, or the start of preseason we were going. Yeah, let's see what happens. This is good. We've been linked with good players, but that's kind of all moved away now, isn't it? And we're just being linked with whatever we can get. So I do apologise. We're not trying to be over the top or stressful or or shock jocks or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, we'll see. I mean, like, I reported this week that Eric Ten Hag still wants five players before the end of the transfer window. Yep. Uh, Casemiro being one, he would like a defensive midfielder, uh, a central midfielder, yep. a forward, a wide forward, a striker, and a right back. Plus, even a, a, a second choice goalkeeper is on the agenda as well. So, five, six. New team, really. Is it, you know. <laughs> But they could have done this weeks ago. Uh, this is the real issue. I, I don't really know why we're two weeks left in the window and United are now going to pull off all these deals. Having... They could have done it so long ago, yeah. Scott. And this is the weird thing about it, is that you are now literally inviting every agent in Europe and, and the world to just bang on your door and demand and say, well, if you want my player, we want four times the amount of money that they're worth. And United are actually having to go... Oh, not that we're too cool for school. We won't do business with you. What may not doing is like, yeah, well, here's the cash. How much of this cash do you want? Oh, you want all of it, dear? Oh, all right, because we need you. We need this player now. And you know what? You do need Casemiro. They do need him. Like, this is the other side of it, is that you do need this player because you're in such a bad state. But the issue is not Ten Hag. The issue here is definitely the Glazers, Richard Arnold and John Murto. Yes. I was gonna I was gonna say something there, but I've completely forgot what it was. Maybe you'll come back to me later. Let's move on to Anthony. Uh it's, why? Why? The, the why? What what has happened here? Obviously, the context of this week. This is what I was gonna say, actually. This is what I was gonna say. Uh we're getting a lot of, no, I've, I've lost it again. <laughs> Rob, I can't, I can't oh, think no. straight. I can't think straight. New Anthony bid has gone yeah. in this week. Yeah. Uh Rejected by Ajax. Hmm. Now, United have had interest in Anthony all summer. 
the price tag has gone up and up and up. And we understand at 90 min that Ajax will hold out for a club record sale yeah. of around 78 million pounds. Yeah. That's 87, 89, 92. I've forgotten what the conversion rate is. Million euros. I think United might go back for. I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But like, why now? Why have they made a new bid now? Is it the context of everything that's happened this week? The Ratcliffe thing, the Glazer ownership, the protests, all of this coming to a head, the 4-0 loss at Brentford. Is this a reaction again to everything that we're seeing on the pitch and the general malaise that the club is in? Is this why they're behaving like this? Yes, totally. A hundred percent. Like you've got to remember only 12 months ago when they completed the deal for Cristiano. It was a similar situation in terms of like, you know, how do you push the needle? How do you get better? How do you shut the fans up? How do you make sure that the fans keep going to the mega store to buy the shirt? So that was the Ronaldo thing and it worked. It shut everyone up. Yeah. So this is where they, they operate in this sphere because it's easier to do these things and spend this kind of money because you can mitigate it by long-term moving around of assets and doing different stuff. But this is how they do football. And it doesn't work because you've not won anything since forever. So I think this is, the, you know, the balance point that you say about Anthony. You know, everything that keeps coming back from the Ajax side and from the Dutch side and Dutch journalists that I know really well all keep saying the same thing. Anthony's really good. What are Man United doing in this price range? This is not, he's not worth this money at the moment. And he's not going to help Man United win immediately. So you're buying a player for the future. Yes, maybe. But you need the balance, don't you? You need that balance. So like he would come in and be really good on the right side. But does he help you get top four tomorrow if you spend 90 million on him or 80 million or something like that? And that's coming from people that watch Ajax every week that know the player, that know the situation, that understand it. They're like, yeah, but it's kind of weird that United are operating here. And United, at the start with Anthony, said, we're, we've got a ceiling with him. That's what we're going to do. They made that bid. Ajax went, no. United said, well, we'll come back next year or whatever. Now they're desperate. They're going to come back with more money, bigger wages. <sighs> I like Anthony. I think he's a really, really good player. But again, it's the way United are conducting themselves in this transfer market. It is mad. They've gone from, as you said, Anatovic and Rabio and United fans going, why are we shopping in this bargain basement? So now they're going to like bigger clubs and they're going, well, look, let's flex our muscle. We're going to show what we can do because, you know, we're Manchester United. And they do it every year, Scott. It doesn't work. So why are you still doing it? <laughs> United have previous with Ajax this summer as well. So of course Ajax are going to hold out for a club record sale. They gave them 50, 60 million for Lisandro Martinez. And we like I know that he's had a he's had a rough start. Uh, but I've heard the same noises about Lisandro Martinez from Ajax's side that why are they why have they paid that much money? But Ajax know that if they play their cards right, United will do it. I, Every I mean, club in the world it remains knows to it. be seen. It does remain to be seen. Cody Gakpo is the alternative, uh, from what we're understanding. There's yeah. other players that have been offered to Man United. We wrote this week about Pedro Neto at Wolves. Yeah. Is there some strings that George Mendes can pull with getting Cristiano Ronaldo out and bringing Pedro Neto in? This kind of thing. But Cody Gakpo plays for PSV. They have a Champions League final qualifier against Rangers next Wednesday. Probably going to be half the price of Anthony. Absolutely, yeah. But is also a left winger slash forward. I don't really think he's the answer on the right-hand side. Uh, planning, man. Planning. 
It is. Yeah. It comes down to planning. And, and the weird thing is, it's like people, we, we're talking a lot about Brighton this week as well. And obviously what they've tried to do post Cucurello, post Basuma. And as soon as they lose those players for the fee that they want, whatever that fee is, the recruitment part, uh, part of the club just triggers. Yeah. And they go to their targets that they've had for a year and they sound out and they say, you know, we want you. This is a fair wage, a fair price. Do you want to come to our project? And if the answer is no, they go to the next target. Man United don't do that. Man United don't have targets. Man United, as I said, are just spinning the roulette wheel and hoping it lands on the number that they've picked. So I think this is the kind of way. Is that there's no football club in the world, I think, that really does this at the very, very top level. You don't leave stuff to chance, Scott. You find ways to get the players that you want but it takes planning and execution. Man United this year wanted Frankie de Jong. You're not going to get Frankie de Jong, so what do you do? And they're just in a tiz, aren't they? They're like, we're not as good as Brighton or Brentford anymore. Oh, we were we were like wanting to be top four last year. And before that, we were second in the league and we won the Europa League and all of this. And we got to Europa League final. It's, it's such a decline, but these owners do not have the football acumen to find the way back up that way. And that is the problem. Should we talk about the owners then? Let's do it. Everyone else is talking about them. So, noises this week that, well, United play Liverpool on Monday night. A protest is planned ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a lot of positive momentum this week. Noises around the Glazers potentially finally selling. Word of commercial revenues being down the stock price has been down although it's shot back up i think over the last few days since the speculation about a takeover has emerged jim ratcliffe uh, a spokesperson for his him and his company have said okay along the lines of i want to buy man united if they're for sale the glazers have made noises about potentially wanting to sell off a stake in the club to a private equity firm, which is bad. Very, very bad. bad. Very, bad. Very, very, very bad. Has anything changed, Rob, from, from your perspective? Has anything changed about... How does it all work together? Because uh, do, United, uh, do you as a United fan feel more optimistic now that the Glazers are potentially considering a sale? Or is this, don't get your hopes up, they are just looking for alternative ways to raise cash so they can continue milking the cash cow for the next few years. Well, that's the that's the ticket, what you just said there. That's what they're trying to do. They're not trying to help Man United fans feel better about the Glazer ownership by saying, oh, would you know what? Because this is, this is the narrative. If we sell a bit of the club, then then that must mean that they might sell all of the club. Well, no. Then the flip side of it is this is Jim Ratcliffe is a very, very rich man. We know this, but Jim Ratcliffe alone can't buy Manchester United. He doesn't have the assets. You know, we know that Ineos is a huge company worth, you know, what, £60 billion or whatnot. But Jim Ratcliffe, in his own personal wealth, is worth around £11 billion. This whole does he want to buy the football club thing, again, is a little bit kind of tumultuous. It's like it's not actually real. A spokesman for Ineos said, yeah, of course Jim Ratcliffe would like to buy Manchester United one day if it was on the market. It's not on the market. That's a problem. But the fact that the Glazers are are trying to shop a chunk of Man United to an investment firm in the US is a really, really bad idea. Why? Because that investment firm certainly doesn't care about trophies. 
certainly doesn't care about the health of Manchester United and certainly doesn't care about Man United fans. That investment firm is just looking for a return. The Glazers know that, but the Glazers will get an influx of money that will probably go in Glazer pockets. And probably then they'll be, they will build a new stadium, Scott, or knock down Old Trafford and do part of it. And they'll say, but look, aren't we good owners? Well, no, you haven't put a penny of your own money in. You've just gone and got it from an investment firm. So unfortunately, as I hate to tell some Man United fans, there is nothing new happening. Unfortunately, it's just the way it is. There's a lot of social media noise around this because it's a very interesting story. But until Jim Ratcliffe comes along with his billionaire mates and sticks what I reckon is going to need to be about six billion on the table. It's going to have to be. That's what they'll sell for, about six billion. United have got a value at the moment, share value of about two and a half billion. But it's going to take that kind of money when you look at what happened with the Chelsea sale. Really is. Man United are a much bigger entity than Chelsea in terms of a brand globally. That's what it will take. And that's why it has never happened. Because that is a lot of money for anyone who isn't from the Middle East and from an oil company. What did it's you just say the, the other day, Rob? Words are cheap. Yeah, talk is cheap. Talk is talk cheap. Is you cheap. know, like that. This is the thing. Talk is cheap because everyone can say they would like to own Manchester United. I'd like to own Manchester United, Scott. So would you. You know, we'd all love to own it, but we haven't got the means to own it. And even billionaires at the top end of, like in Britain, like <laughs> Tim Jim Ratcliffe is the, is the richest Englishman in the world. But he hasn't put a bid in before for these exact reasons because he's going to have to pay the Glazers off in a way that we've never seen before. The Glazers will probably take six billion to leave because then they'll take that money and reinvest it somewhere else. That's what they do. But why should they leave the football club in their minds if they're taking these dividends every year and Man United keep failing and yet they're 20 million pounds off in their own personal pockets every year? That's how it works. So I don't do want to... Do you think there's any any potential weakening on the Glazers' side given United are failing on the pitch if they yeah. fail to qualify for the Champions League this season? Adidas can cut 20 million off of what yeah. they pay for their kit supplier agreement. You know, commercial revenues have been stagnating slash going down since about 2017. Yeah. Is this a less attractive prospect for them now? Do you think there's anything that has changed at all? There has been change in the profit and loss. No doubt about it. COVID hit them really hard. And there's no doubt that when you have a failing football team, you just start to hemorrhage money in a way that you don't want to hemorrhage money. If you're outside of the Champions League, which is where Man United are now, and let's be honest, you might not be back in the Champions League for a pretty long time unless you get it right then you're in trouble. You're going to make t- TV rights. You're going to make money from other pl- uh, other ways. Man United actually don't actually have any playing assets that you can sell. They don't. They don't have anything in their pipeline that you can go, well, Cristiano Ronaldo, he's 18 years old now, but in four years' time, he'll be the best player in the world and we can sell him for a lot of money. You don't have that anymore at your football club. So the model is compromised. However, the Glazers don't own Man United for those reasons. The Glazers own Man United so they can take dividends out of the club to to fluff their lifestyle so they can go and live in Florida and have the best lifestyle ever and be multi-multi-millionaires and billionaire company. So I think the unfortunate thing is here is that the Glazers will never, ever leave Manchester United until they get the jackpot winning ticket, which will be six billion quid. So if someone comes up with six billion, great. My fear, Scott, and I've said it so many times, is if that is from a regime from another part of the world 
that we do not want to be associated with Manchester United, that becomes a bigger problem than the Glazers. It really does. I don't want Newcastle United Mark II at Old Trafford. I really don't. That would be horrendous. I would find the human rights issues around that way too much to kind of deal with as a football fan. But I know that most football fans, is that the wrong way of putting it? Uh, most no, we, do. we just want our team to win. A lot of football fans are, are just so not interested in that. Look, no. the, the, the celebration in Newcastle of being a team that won nothing for 50 years and now have all this money has been unparalleled. People in Newcastle think that it is now raining money and they're just going to just lavish in the shower of it. They don't care where that money's coming from. They really don't. So I think that's football in a nutshell is that football is a greedy sport. But you want owners to come in at Man United who who can put some of that greed aside and go, we're going to invest in the team. And we, you know, not in a moralistic way, because football isn't moralistic, but just in a normal way. So we don't have to consider some of this sports washing that other football clubs do. I know Man City fans who look at Man City and even though they've supported them their whole life, they kind of look at their own ownership and say, I don't feel anything about this success because it's not what I signed up for. Now that's not all Man City fans. Yeah, but there is a percentage that do feel that. And I think at Man United, it would be the same for us. Certainly season ticket holders as well. I think, you know, we, we want our club to be running the correct way. But you can't rob Peter to pay Paul. Let's put it this way. Do you think a protest is planned uh, before mm. the Liverpool game on Monday night? Yeah. Uh, do you feel fans can take energy from the news that has happened this week and unify and potentially strengthen the demonstrations? Do you feel like there's a, a a weakness in the Glazers now that would be further weakened by fans uniting and protesting towards this ahead of a game which is considered one of the biggest in world football? Potentially, because all eyes are going to be on Old Trafford simply because of what the tie is. Manchester United Liverpool is is one of the El Clasicos, isn't it, of world football? Um, but I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. I, I, I said it depends how many fans do feel the need to protest. You know, so this, I, is, the, I guess, this is the this is the thing, right? So yeah. the, the Casemiro news over the last few days, and even we've seen it with the people interacting with us. Yeah. Oh, but we need Casemiro. Yeah. Chill out. Yeah, and that and that's already actually working. been the vibe. That's the vibe. Working. Yeah, that's the vibe towards like us as journalists. That's a vibe. Like people go, oh yeah, but we need Casemiro. So what are you talking about? But then there's another part of the fan base. They're not talking about those things. And I get lots of replies when we kind of do our football work and kind of people say to me, don't you know? People shouldn't kind of divert away from the Glazer issue. But the Glazer issue is like, are we talking like 18 years now? You know, like it, it's it's. It's not yesterday. You know, a lot of this stuff could have been done a really long time ago. Man United fans were either appeased by trophies or appeased by shirts. That's the truth. So I think that it's, I think the people that are trying to arrange uh, these demonstrations against Liverpool, what you're seeing is already is a fracturing of that. And you're seeing some Man United fans who are like, well, I don't really like the people who are demonstrating, so I don't want to do it. Then you've got other, other people who are a bit more hardcore and I think that's a problem because I think the police will be interested in that and be like, well, this might get nasty. So, you know, you've only need a small section of fans to be militant and to go rogue. And then it becomes a bigger story. Do you know what I mean? It becomes something different. And I think United fans are caught somewhere in the middle because a lot of the people I've seen on social media, Scott, are saying, yeah, you know, empty Old Trafford, hashtag, hashtag. Well, they've never been inside Old Trafford. And that's a problem. You can't tell people what to do 
if you're actually not even there yourself, that you're just doing it from a tweet from the other side of the world. So this is the problem, I think, is the balancing act for Man United fans of how you get rid of the Glazers. The true way you get rid of the Glazers is you stop buying all their products. That's what you do. But Man United fans have never stopped doing that, Scott, in the, in the whole 18 years. And that's why the Glazers feel comfortable in their position because they still make those revenues. Like you said there about the Adidas thing, that is a real true thing that they're worried about because losing that deal, and there's no doubt that a new deal, there'll be a new deal, I think, in 18 months. I think they, they have to sign a new contract with someone, so it be Adidas or someone else. Could be Puma, could be Nike, could be anyone. Um you're going to find that Man United are going to posture towards that because that's how they that's their meal ticket. But they've got to rely on people buying the shirts and people are still buying the shirts. Man United are the worst they've ever been. They're bottom of the league and they will still sell more shirts than anyone else. They are the New York Yankees of football. That's what it is. They don't need to win to sell the baseball caps. So I, I think it's it's a difficult situation and, and we want it resolved, but it will only be resolved if someone puts six billion on the table and says, right, let's do some proper business. Jim, listen. Has he got six billion? Like, I don't know. He's worth 11 billion on his personal fortune. So he's not going to spend his personal money on it. He can get him and his mates as a consortium, 30, 40 billion pound consortium, and then you can do it but there are no red knights here, Scott. Like we, you know, I've been in this cycle before with red knights, and I, I work with Must and other other entities. And you want it to happen, but it isn't there. So if it happens, great. Fingers crossed, it will. We'd all love to see the Glazers gone because they've milked Manchester United for far too long. They are the core reason of why United are where they are, without a shadow of a doubt. Forget the players, forget the managers. It's them. But how do you make that change unless you have a new owner come forward that puts that money on the table? There's every chance that I think it will be a Saudi consortium in the future that goes, yeah, we've got the money here and we want a club of the stature of Manchester United. We can pay for it. That leads to different problems. The football, then. The football. <laughs> Liverpool next. Yeah. United, can, United can beat Liverpool in mm. the Premier League on Monday night. And go above them in the table. The greatest Liverpool team <laughs> of all time. They can they can go above them in the league after losing their first two matches. Uh, what's the chances, Rob? Because has you're making a face. I, I can't I can't tell whether you're optimistic or whether you no. no okay, you're not optimistic. Uh, I'm, I'm going into this one fully expecting to get absolutely humiliated again. Uh, do you feel the same? Look, with two weeks of the transfer window to go, Man United trying to buy absolutely everyone, this game almost feels null and void as a football match. Like, what is the actual point? You haven't even got your squad ready for this. It's not You're not in a good place. You've gone to Brentford. You got humiliated. You went started the season at home to Brighton. You got done. You know, so you're now playing Liverpool, a Liverpool team who are also wounded and unhappy about their start to season and would love to punch Manchester United in the face. So, no, no optimism to this. Could Man United win it? Of course they could, because that's football. That's why we love it. You know, this is the other side of the coin with football is that because it's such a, a drama fest that you can go in this game and actually win it. I think what's more likely is that before the game, there'll be a little bit of a hush and they'll go. And here is our new sign in five times Champions League winner, Casemiro. And he'll come out with his Man United shirt and his number and he'll hold it up in the center. Soccer, and United fans will go absolutely mad. Liverpool will be standing in the tunnel going, we're going to smash this lot. 
Well, last time they did it. Last time they did it, they beat Newcastle. <laughs> this is it. So it's kind of like, <laughs> like you got to laugh, haven't you? Because if you don't laugh, you'll cry. So I, I, I think again, these next two weeks, we kind of have to wait and see with the window. And the football almost kind of takes a little bit of a sidestep because whatever they create in the next few days doesn't really go towards the end product, does it? You could beat Liverpool 5-0. It doesn't mean, actually, you kind of got where you needed to be. It's just that just happened. It was a thing. But can Man United beat Liverpool? Of course they can. But I look at these players. Huh? How do they do that? I think what they do is they kind of like, they they lock up Mohamed Salah in handcuffs in in like the Stratford End somewhere and like hide him for, 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 uh, for 90 minutes. And thank God that Darwin Nunes isn't playing and decided to get himself sent off with a headbutt. So that was quite funny when that happened. It was yeah, like, oh God, he won't be at Old Trafford. That's a good thing. Uh, and maybe the whole Liverpool team can do that and implode and help Man United to victory. But it's a huge test for United. I think, again, it's about Ten Hag's stylistic functions, about what he can put out on a football pitch now. And can he put anything out there that competes with a team like Liverpool, who are a truly elite football team? So... That you know, the math doesn't work there either, Scott. When you look at it, you kind of think to yourself, who you're gonna bet on. Some United fans will be betting on United because they always do, and fingers crossed, we do get the victory. I don't think anyone would really put a penny on it if they thought about it in any great depth. The recent uh fixtures against Liverpool, as I said earlier, have resulted in a nine-nil aggregate yeah. league defeat. Liverpool yeah. won this game five-nil last season. Last year was like as humbling, as humiliating as it's ever been against Liverpool and the gap wider than ever before. And we cannot sit here in our chairs trying to be blue sky and say that we are any closer. Like we we are not. We are bottom of the league and we're bottom of the league for a reason, even though it's very early days. So I do feel that this is all going to change at some point. I feel there will be some change somewhere, Scott. Like there will be some... I do because I just think that's just a natural cycle in football. But it, it might we might have to wait for new owners. That might not happen this year. Mm. And we might have to wait for new players. And you might get new players. And you know what, Scott? I said this last year. You can spin the wheel sometimes and win. It does happen. Sometimes you spin the wheel, bring in three, four players. And if we're all going, oh, they're too expensive. You know, what are you doing? Casimir, 130 million. And it works. It's magic. And it does happen in football. It's happened in the past. It hasn't happened at Man United, but it has happened in football. So there is always that opportunity that Eric Ten Hag is the magician and, and a better manager than we even think. That he comes in, takes his players, and he finds a way. But the first two games of the season do not point towards that. Any final thoughts, Rob? Have we missed anything today? Or no, the final thought is it's just three two games. games. Just two games. It's only two games. So we've only had two games. So it would be silly to kind of prejudge absolutely the whole season on two games. But there are worries and there are fears. I do think, let's do a little prediction here now, rather than predicting the scoreline against Liverpool. United won't get five against Liverpool, but they might have five new transfers by September the 1st. I actually think, like, people have looked at the five new players' story. I thought, what? That's never going to happen. But you've seen... In 48 hours, United have turned around Casemiro and it's basically done. It might even be done by the time you're listening to this. It's more likely that Man United will sign five players before September 1st and marking Tony at the back post against Brentford. It's much more likely. And that is the truth. 
So like, I think this is where United need to fix the football project. And that is Ten Hag's job. Keep saying it. But ultimately, Man United needs to give him players. So, you know, as a fan, I don't care what Casemiro earns. I don't care how much Man United put out on that. But ultimately, I want the right players and I want a development project. I think as a fan, that's what I wanted to see. So now it's up to Ten Hag to take whatever he's given and try and do what Lou Van Gaal couldn't do. Because Lou Van Gaal is one of the greatest coaches of all time and couldn't do it. And Jose Mourinho is one of the greatest coaches of all time and, yes, was on the wane but couldn't do it. So can Eric Ten Hag do it? He's got a lot to prove and he's in a worse position than Pep and Klopp were on day one at those football clubs when they went when he went there to build those clubs. He's, a, he's in a very unique beast. I think he's probably thinking now at home in his house in Cheshire or wherever he's living, he's probably thinking, this is a much bigger job than they ever sold it to me. I thought I'd be able to go there and fix stuff because football is just football. Now, Man United are a massive political entity and it's a crazy, crazy football club. Apologies for the tone of the uh, first uh, first thirty odd minutes of the episode. It's not our fault, it's not, Scott. It's not our fault. Rob and I have seen it before. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you have too. And it's, it's just Manchester United's fault. <laughs> we've seen it before, and now this is a different group of people making the same plans slash mistakes. Uh, yeah, as they have done for the last ten years. So. Sorry for not defaulting to optimism straight away because we've seen it before and we've seen it not work before. Yeah, and and I think we would be totally wrong sat here today going, yay, Casemiro. That would be, that's that's also not the right way of doing it. I hope he comes in and is a trailblazer and does it for us. I really, really do. And he's a good player, there's no doubt about it. He is a world-class defensive midfielder. But I'm telling you, a defensive midfielder does not heal all these wounds. All of these wounds are open and people keep rubbing salt in it, Scott. Happens all the time. So I don't think as 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 either United fans, pundits, journalists, whatever, podcasters, you cannot say with 100% that this is going to work. You cannot. And that's why we are as we are. We're not down in the tooth and we're not, we're not Man United depressives, are we, Scott, you and me, in, in general? We do kind of look at things, I think, from a moderate side and we try and try and present ourselves in that way. So these fingers are crossed 24-7 for Man United and for Casemiro and for Eric Ten Hag. Casemiro has reached the, the so-called promised land several times over the last few years with Real Madrid. This reference yeah. to the Champions League and winning actual titles yeah. really help United back to it over the course of his four-year plus one contract, which he's going to sign with Man United by the looks of it over the next Four plus year. one, it's mad, isn't it? Like You want to give four plus one to Camavinga because he's young and you go four plus one, we'll build you up. Or four plus one to Jadon Sancho. You know, that's that's right. Four plus one to a thirty-one-year-old is pretty unusual. He's not in... thirty-one till February. I don't. He's know. not thirty-one till February, <laughs> but he feels thirty-one. <laughs> it's like it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like he. he I think he'll be coming to Man United, and and the thing is that he will want to prove himself because it's a World Cup year, but his World Cup place is pretty secure anyway, and he'll want to show that he could do it in the Premier League. I'm sure he will, but unfortunately, if he does fail, people will just label Rob, him as a as a, by, as a mercenary. By the end of 2022. United might have three World Cup winners. They might have Fred and Casemiro winning it for Brazil, and they'll have Anthony on one of the flanks, and Brazil have just, you know, sauntered right through the World Cup in Qatar and won the trophy again. Maybe, maybe. Uh, we, should, we should round off there. Uh, let us know what you think, because if, yeah. if you're listening to this, get in touch with us on Twitter, get in touch with us 
in the comments on this video as well, because obviously this is an issue. United are doing something now. They are doing something. It's just, how do you feel about it? Do you feel like this is panic? Yes, <laughs> maybe. Mm-hmm. Or are you really over the top excited with this signing? Let us know either way. Let us know how you feel about it. It looks as though Casemiro will be joining Man United in the next few days. There might be more to come as well before the end of the month. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on Apple, Spotify, and Google, and watch this on YouTube twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays too. So head over to the YouTube channel, hit the like button, join the community, subscribe, and leave a comment. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform as well. And Twitter, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Rob, fun show today. Fun is, is that right words? I'm not it's sure, always but... fun at Manchester yeah. United. You know, yeah. if you like a little bit of reality TV, and it seems like the whole universe tends to these days, Man United are your ticket. Man United are exactly your fun day. You flick on Twitter, it's Manchester United galore, isn't it? It never stops. So, uh, look, look, there's going to be lots of football to come. So people calm down if they feel up or down about any of this. There's still so much of this story to read. Let's hope that it has a happy ending. Thanks, everyone. See you on Tuesday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.